springtime tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. Every bunny loves honey-glazed carrots, a great side dish for your springtime celebration and a delicious compliment to a sweet, bright Moscato. Wine is made in virtually every country in the world, and I'm ready to give you a tour to find the right one. Serving lamb this season? Try it with a bold Cabernet from the trendy Paso Robles region. Whether you're hosting or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection this spring at Total Wine & More. Cheers! From burnout and exhaustion to joy and fulfillment, through the act of serving consciously, it's time to rediscover your passion. It's live with Elizabeth and guests on the Contact Talk Radio Network. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Serving Consciously. I'm so pleased that you're here with us today. And as you know, if you've been listening for a while, I created what I call the Conscious Service Approach. And on each episode, we explore what this means, sometimes as a general idea and practice, and sometimes more specifically related to the various aspects of the approach. So I always want to invite you to, um, if you're interested, to learn more about the Conscious Service Approach, to visit my website at uh, servingconsciously.com, and you'll find lots of information and resources there as well as information about this radio show, too. So I started this journey with more of a focus on traditional forms of service, so, you know, looking at people working in healthcare and human services, for example, and also for people who work in what might be considered alternative modalities, so working with energy, spiritual counseling, that kind of thing. But what I feel is really important to note is that we can look at service as it relates to the roles we play, and we can look at service as an energy that we step into and express in relationship to others. And this fits really well with the theme of our show today. We're going to be exploring leadership, which I believe we can also equate to a formal position that we might hold or as an energy that we bring to our lives, both personally and professionally. So we're diving into the area of the conscious service approach that I call co-creating community. And we're going to look at the role of ancient wisdom as it relates to leadership. And I'm really excited to be introducing my guest today. Um, She's an author and speaker, Cynthia Ruiz. Cynthia is the author of Cherokee Wisdom, 12 Lessons to Become a Powerful Leader, Self-Help Principles that are Rooted in Native American Traditions. Cynthia has held high-level positions in both the private and public sectors and has received over 50 awards and accolades for her leadership and service to one of the world's largest cities, Los Angeles. She currently serves as a L.A. City Commissioner, overseeing the multi-billion dollar pension portfolio for city employees and is particularly passionate about helping to develop the empowerment of women. Cynthia presents the information in her book in a simple and straightforward style and empowers the reader with 12 leadership lessons which they can apply in their everyday lives. Cynthia lives in Los Angeles where she enjoys empowering diverse groups. As an inspirational speaker, author, and change agent, she helps transform people to be the best they can be. Her message of anything is possible helps people reach their dreams and live their authentic lives. She holds a master's degree in counseling and has worked with people from many backgrounds her entire life. And for more information about Cynthia, you can visit her website at CynthiaMRuiz.com. And just remember, I will post all of um, Cynthia's contact information on my website as well, along with the replay of of today's interview if you're interested. So welcome, Cynthia. Thank you so much for being with us. Hello, Elizabeth. Welcome from Los Angeles. Beautiful, sunny <laughs> Southern California. Not beautiful, to it sunny. In. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful, sunny and warm. <laughs> well, first of all, Elizabeth, I just want to say and acknowledge you for the work that you do. The message that you bring 
to the forefront in, in today's crazy world is so important. Service conscious, serving consciously. And I think that really applies in so many parts of our life. So I just want to acknowledge you because I believe that this is the time of the divine feminine and women are rising to our power. Now, what I mean by that is, as you know, I'm half Native American, Cherokee and half Mexican. And so Cherokee wisdom, we believe in harmony and balance with the universe. And my perception is that the masculine and feminine has been out of balance for a while. So as the divine feminine rises, we're bringing the universe back into balance. So that's why we need strong, amazing, powerful women like you to have this platform that's not traditional to get that conscious word out. So thank you for that, Elizabeth. You're amazing. Wow, Cynthia. Thank you so much. I love so much of what you were talking about there as well, that just the whole idea of harmony, balance, and simplicity. That was another piece that I noticed in um, the work that you've created as well. And working in tune with the universe, with Mother Nature, and just getting back to a very simple kind of approach where it's about ease and grace as opposed to force and power and drive, right? Exactly. And it's interesting because I... At this point in my life, I'm a professor. I teach at the graduate level. I teach leadership, and I'm an executive coach. So an executive coach helping leaders at the executive level be better leaders. And so it's really interesting because I find that so many people are open. They're very open right now to a conscious message. I don't go in there and really say, oh, especially in the corporate world, say, well, I'm a conscious person. I'm going to teach you how to be conscious. What I do say (laughs) is that I am a leadership expert, and I'm going to help you become a better leader. And then the principles that I use that are based on my Cherokee values, then I introduce that. And so many people are open and kind of hungry right now because people want to feel connected, irregardless of what your job is. You know, we're social creatures by human nature, so we want to be connected to other people. And to me, we're all energy. Quantum physics physics tells us we're energy. So when you're a positive presence on this planet, you're going to attract more people and hopefully positive people. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. I really feel like the time is is right for this kind of work as well. And, um, you know, that there's sort of a collective hunger for a deeper sense, like you said, of connection and of meaning, you know, and a, and a sense of um, having the capacity to affect change and growth in, in our world. So nothing like divine timing, right? <laughs> but I really do honestly believe that it is being driven by the women. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. I absolutely agree with you. Everything that I, you know, sort of from my own spiritual and personal growth perspective, um, I feel attracted to and, and things that I might listen to or read are saying that exact same thing. And I also, I, I teach at the college level and uh, some of the, the courses that I facilitate online are um, Indigenous courses in history of uh, Aboriginal Canadian relations, Indigenous identity. And there's a lot of emphasis, again, in that work, as you know, um, and in that history that really recognizes the female energy. Well, with um, the Cherokee Nation, we're the largest uh, tribe in the United States. And if you look at the history of us, we were actually, before the Europeans came, a matriarchal society. 
Uh-huh. Patriarchal society, believing in harmony and balance, and everybody had their defined roles. You know, the men were the hunters, the women were more the agriculture and taking care of the home. But if you trace your family history, it's all by the clan, and the clan is really traced by the women. So we played a very strong role in in balance. We balanced the divine masculine. So I think, you know, going back to the message of simplicity, right now I know a lot of people are struggling because they feel that there's so much uncertainty. But I really believe that the opposite right now, the certainty that you get is from within and feeling connected to the creator. I use the term creator because I'm Native American, but I don't have a problem saying God, universal consciousness, whatever term you use, really tapping in and surrendering to the higher power and realizing that we're all connected and we're all one. Absolutely. So well said and so true. I'm wondering, Cynthia, if we could just back up for a second and perhaps you can tell listeners just a little bit about your journey and how you came to be doing the work that you're doing now. Well, thank you for that question. And I'm living proof that anything is possible. So, <laughs> so I grew up in the inner city of Los Angeles, surrounded by gangs and drugs and a sense of hopelessness. And my parents had a very tumultuous relationship. They were both physically abusive to each other. And they divorced when I was seven. And I actually felt a sense of relief that they were divorcing because it was just very hectic and chaotic at home. So then what I did is I looked around and realized if I wanted to get out and break that cycle, I needed to get an education. So I was the first person in my family to get an education. I was fortunate enough to get my master's by the time I was 23, which wasn't easy because I didn't have any role models. My parents couldn't even give me a dime to buy a book. So I struggled. But my struggle, I knew that If I got an education, that would open doors, and it did. And so once I got the education, it opened so many doors, and I always knew I wanted to help people. But let me back up for a minute. But it wasn't an easy road. I actually, because you tend to repeat patterns in your life, I Mm -hmm. ended up um, becoming, oh, I was married, and I found myself in a physically abusive relationship. And it was tough because I, my parents divorced, so I, when I got married, I said, I want to stay married, no, irregardless. And so I stayed, and I stayed for 13 years. And it wasn't until my son was seven, I have one son, that I realized that if I stayed in that relationship, he would grow up thinking that that was normal and continue the pattern. So I made a decision. I didn't want my son to grow up and seeing that abuse, so I got out of that relationship. My son has now grown, and I'm so proud of the man he's become. I actually, back in January, I attended the the Women's March in Los Angeles where we had 750,000 people come together. My son, on his own, without me asking, and like I said, he's a grown man now, he made a choice to attend the women's conferences to support women's rights and diversity. So that was like a proud mom moment. I'm like, wow, how is this man? And now he supports women's rights and diversity. And I'm so proud of that. But I believe if I would have stayed in that physically abusive relationship, both of our lives would have been very different. So when I say as anything as possible, 
I've had many, many struggles throughout my life, but I don't regret any of it because all of those struggles I went through made me the person I am today. And now I'm happy, healthy, and feel complete. And I'm on a mission to be a beneficial presence on this planet and help others, and in particular women, and even more particular women of color, really empowering them and letting them know that life is about choices. I like to say we are the CEO of our lives, shaped by the choices we make. And every day we can make different choices. I have, an, I have three brothers. My older brother made different choices than I did. And today he sits in a prison cell. And to me, I have my freedom. I have a wonderful life. I get to share so much. And I'm so, so blessed. But it, it's about choices you make. And at any given point in your life, you can make different choices. So I'm just so blessed to, you know, have a wonderful life and share my gifts with so many people. Thank you, Cynthia. And that's so powerful, too, like that, just the, the power of choice and really the capacity to step into that deep personal responsibility so that instead of reacting to things that happen in our lives, we're responding. That sounds like what you're what you're saying to me and really knowing that at the core of it, at any point in time, we can choose to do something different. We can choose to look at something differently. We can choose to take the meaning out of it and, you know, find relevance in our life and grow. Or we can choose to, you know, fall apart and, and um, continue to struggle. And I think, you know, your, your story really, really illuminates that, which is so powerful. But Elizabeth, I think, you know, everybody has the ability to make choices. But many times what holds us back is fear. Mm -hmm. Fear is a powerful emotion. Now, fear is a normal emotion. If your life is physically in danger, of course, you're going to feel fear. Most of the fear we experience is in our head. We're <laughs> afraid to we're stay in bad relationships because we're afraid to be alone. We're afraid to succeed. We're afraid to fail. And the list goes on and on. So sometimes it's about just standing up, facing that fear, and walking through that fear. And once you get to the other side, you realize hey, it wasn't as bad as I thought. So most of the fear is in our head. So don't let fear hold you back from becoming your true authentic self. Yes, I couldn't agree more. And it really, I mean, in our day and age, it really is mostly a construct of our mind. And at the same time, you know, when our thoughts are, are sort of circulating around things that scare us, um, you know, the emotion of that can be pretty powerful, right? And easy, easy to get stuck in, I think. But I love what you're saying because it's, it really is the power of the moment, you know, and it's got a lot to do, I think, with being self-aware and feeling connected to ourselves as well as we're going through those emotions or having those fearful thoughts. So that we really do have, you know, we, we really stand in that place of personal power to know that we have the choice, you know, and to take it. Yeah. And when I think about fear, I think of somebody that's so fearless. I think of the story of Malala, which most of us know, the young woman from Pakistan, that she stood up for something as basic as education for young girls. And she took on the Taliban to the point where they shot her and almost killed her, but she didn't let the fear stop her. She mm -hmm. said, I am stronger than my fear. And you know, by 17, she was the youngest person to get a Nobel Peace Prize. 
So if a young woman like that can face her fears, which her, her life was in danger, then how can we let our fear get to us when most of our fear is fear of not fitting in or fear of not being liked or little things that are really not going to have a, have our, a life-threatening situation? Absolutely. So be fearless. Yeah, because yeah. that really is the... Um you know, what, what our fears really circulate around in, in, at least in our society, right? It's about the social, <laughs> social fears and anxieties that we have, as opposed to, like you said, life-threatening fears. And it big, really big happens, fear. yeah, a lot with young women, mm-hmm. young women, you know, the teenage years, I work with young women through a program called Girls Today, Women Tomorrow, which we mentor them and teach them to be good leaders. And a lot of the times it's just very basic stuff that it's afraid of not being not wearing the right clothes or afraid of people not liking you and they have all this fear what they don't realize is everybody else is in the same situation with the same fears and so it's just about facing that I was working with this young woman and uh, we were taking the girls hiking because I love to be out in nature and this young woman had just started high school and she was looked very sad and depressed and I said Stephanie, what's the matter? And she goes, well, I don't have any friends, and I just started high school. And I said, well, my perception is if you talk to people first, they will respond. And she says, well, how do you know that? I said, well, let's try it on the hiking trail. Say good morning to everybody, and let's see who responds. Well, I didn't tell her that people on the hiking trail are usually a lot more friendlier than girls at school. But she she took a little survey, and she said good morning to everybody. And at the end of the day, she says, wow, she goes, Um, the majority of people actually said hello. So she went to school the next Monday, started talking to people, and she came back and said, oh, my God, Cynthia. She goes, I have friends now. I'm so happy. And now she's in college. Isn't that amazing? What a beautiful story. You know, because we're talking about this, the fear fear factor sort of came up here, I'm wondering, like that was an awesome example. I'm wondering if there's other guidance that you would provide for listeners who really feel paralyzed by their fear in certain situations in their life. Are there, are there, is there guidance that you would offer for working through that um, and and being able to stand up in a fearless way? Because really, we're talking about accessing our courage, and just the act of accessing our courage can be vulnerable, right? So, so what would you say? Well, what I tell people, I consider fear is a part of our emotional baggage. We all have emotional baggage that we accumulate based on experiences that we have in our life. And so as you have this emotional baggage that you carry around that weighs you down, what I recommend to people is really looking at that. So when you feel fearful, look at what exactly is the fear about And once you identify it, I have a process of releasing it. So I literally write down what I'm fearful of. I write it down, and then I say, you have no power over me. And then what works for me is I physically burn it. I use a white candle because white candles represent purity. So I burn it, whatever that fear is or whatever that baggage or emotion is, write it down, burn it. And I can literally see it going up into the universe, and I release that. Now, I know that sounds very simplistic, but it works. It's just about facing that fear and getting it out of the way and focusing on 
what it is that you want at the other end of that fear. Maybe you want to be in a relationship, but you're so afraid because you've been hurt in the past. It's releasing that that hurt that you accumulated from your past relationships so you can have a clean slate to go into the next relationship without fear. Because if you bring all that your past into the new relationship, it's going to have an effect on it. And it's not usually a positive effect. <laughs> yeah, it's like taking the first step towards history repeating itself, really. Exactly. Um, I love what you said, because really we're talking about acknowledging the fear quite often. You know, I always think of emotions as being messengers. They're coming to, to give us information about how we're interpreting something, the meaning we've attached to it, what it means for us, if it's right for our own heart, whatever it might be. And I, I love what you said, because it, it's really about acknowledging and just honoring that it's there. Um, and I know for me, when, when fear comes up, because really, just to back up for a second, because it's not about saying that fear is never going to come up again. It's more about how we respond when it comes up, right? And, mm-hmm. and quite often, it shows up when we're about to take a big, a big leap, right? Or do something different, step into the unknown, outside of our comfort zone. And so I often, I've started now to kind of talk to my fear when I, when I feel it and recognize it and thank it because I know it's trying to protect me. And then let it know that it's that it's okay. So sort of nurturing the feelings as though I was speaking to myself as a child, <laughs> which may sound woo-woo as well. But it's been very helpful for me. And then, like you said, really getting down into, you know, what's underneath that, what's going on, dismantling and releasing. And sometimes I've found in my own life that there's layers to, to fear that comes up for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so the, the fear might come and then, go through a process, take a step, and then maybe it comes up again, another layer, and then, you know, go through the process again. So I, I hope that that little piece is helpful for listeners who might feel in the grips of fear from time to time um, because because it can really paralyze us and stop us from living our lives fully and richly and contributing in the way that people who are called to be of service usually want to contribute. But when you really think about life, it, everything has a duality. Mm-hmm. So what's the opposite of fear for me is joy. So to get rid of some of that fear, you need to bring more joy in your life. Focus on the opposite of what you don't want. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. I think this is a perfect time to take a little break, and then we'll come back and carry on. So you're listening to Serving Consciously. I'm Elizabeth Bishop, and today we're talking with Cynthia Ruiz, and we'll be right back. Is part of your life mission to be of service to others? Making a difference in the world is a tall order. You are the resource when it comes to serving humanity. Beyond taking care of yourself, learn to create self-connection in your life. Integrate who you are with what you do. 
you will find a source of inspiration and energy that surpasses your wildest imagination. Register for the Self-Connection Series at www.elizabethbishopconsulting.com. Look under Programs and Services for details. Ready for a little inspiration? How about a moment in time to reflect, reframe, and rejuvenate? Join Elizabeth Bishop for Serving Consciously, a new radio show airing on the second and fourth Friday of every month at noon Pacific. Tune in to learn about the conscious service approach and find out how you can integrate who you are with what you do in service to others. Call in and speak directly with experts in the field and find out how they've discovered the joy of serving consciously. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to Serving Consciously, and my name is Elizabeth Bishop, and today we're talking with my guest, Cynthia Ruiz. And um, Cynthia, I wanted to uh, talk about the attributes of leadership and the 12 principles that you outline in your book. So I'm just going to share with listeners the 12 attributes of leadership, and then we can go from there. Leader, integrity, strong, humble, Confident, respect, cooperative, communicative, determined, responsible, patient, teacher. So these are the attributes that you build upon in your book and focus on with regard to the 12 principles that you outline for leadership. So I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about some of those principles and uh, just sort of expand on that a bit for our listeners. Well, Elizabeth, I think that everybody has the ability to be a leader. Now, a lot of us think that leadership is reserved for the top CEOs or elected officials, but we're all leaders in our life, especially in our families, our social circles, you know, our workplace. And if you're a parent or you have nieces and nephews, you're a leader because the the kids watch what you do and emulate. So for me, in terms of the leadership principles that I teach, it comes from my Cherokee wisdom, and those are attributes which we think make up a good leader. And the one that's most important to me is integrity. Have integrity in everything you do. And the way we define integrity is doing the right thing even when no one else is looking. A lot of us may do the right thing if we know people are watching, but if it's just you by yourself, always do the right thing because the creator is always watching. And when you act in integrity, you don't have to have regrets. You don't have to have guilt. Always do the right thing no matter what. 
I love that. I mean, integrity is so, so powerful, right? Like just being in alignment with, with what we feel is right in our heart, what we believe, what we're thinking, having our actions line up with that. And I agree. I mean, when we are be able to behave in integrity and live in integrity, we really do spend a lot less time feeling guilty or shameful or regretful or trying to cover our butt, you know? Um, it's, it's like just being able to live transparently and authentically. The Very next, powerful. Sorry, go next, ahead. The next thing I want to talk about is respect. Because a sign of a good leader, in my opinion, is somebody that's respectful. The reality is that each and every one of us are unique individuals and we have our own journey. And it's not always about being right and forcing your opinion on other people. It's about respecting that everybody else has a different journey and may have a different opinion, and that's okay. So what works for me, and I've been in some very powerful leadership positions. One point I was in, uh, in charge of a department of 5,000 people. As you mentioned, I'm right now a city commissioner overseeing $15 billion portfolio. So I've been in very powerful positions, and I always come to that job with respect respecting other people's opinion but I'm not afraid to make the difficult decisions I usually like to get other people's opinions and then make the decision but respect is just so important and I think it's lacking in today's society because people are determined to be right no matter what and they don't want to listen to anybody else I think that's so true and I think just the way that we define respect um, you know, like I've heard people over the years say, well, you know, um, you know, if you don't respect me, then I don't respect you, you know, so that mm -hmm. there's got to be that reciprocal nature where there's no guarantee, right, that you're going to necessarily feel respected by other people. Um, or, I've, you know, somebody's behavior has made me lose respect for them, you mm -hmm. know. So for me, it's always been as though there's a bit of confusion there in that we might be thinking respect has something to do with agreement or uh, approval or, um, you know, the acceptance basically that the other person is more valid than we are. Like you said, that sort of struggle for right or wrong. And I think that's where we get, where we trip over it because I totally agree with you that it's more an energy that we bring in to allow all of the various perspectives and, and, um, you know, opinions and ideas doesn't mean we have to agree or that we have to like it or approve of it. It's just honoring everybody's individual expression. Uh, yes. And so the way the Cherokees define respect is holding one another sacred. Now, again, I think you make an excellent point because just because I respect you and your opinion doesn't necessarily mean that I have to agree with you. Mm -hmm. you know, I may have a, the opposite opinion, and I know in the United States we're going through this right now because we have so many different people with different opinions. And it's not I'm not here to try to force you to believe the way I believe. I respect that your opinion's different than mine, but it doesn't mean that I have to, you know, accept your opinion as my opinion. So it, Absolutely. you're right. Respect is a tricky thing, but it's it's really important for a leader to be respectful. I totally agree. And I think what you were just saying is a demonstration of self-respect, really. You know, right. that it's okay for us to have two different ways of looking at it and not necessarily agree. 
And I find, too, with respect, I mean, one of the most powerful places where we need it so badly is when there's conflict or disagreement. And quite often that's when we leave it at home or people will, you know, <laughs> forget to bring the respect into the resolution process or the, the conflict resolution process. And and without it, um, you know, resolution gets further and further away because we're right in the heat of, of knowing that we're not seeing things the same way. And that's why we have wars. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy because <laughs> people let the ego get involved. I mean, so, you know, when we have wars, what are people really fighting for? I mean, yeah. why is it so important that I dominate you or I control you or I force you into submission to believe what I believe? To me, it's like, why can't we all get along and just coexist in harmony in this world? Absolutely. Well, and that comes right back around to the whole energy of fear, right? I mean, most of the times when, when we find ourselves in that kind of a power control thing, there's something that we're afraid of mm. or something we don't understand. Mm -hmm. You know, I've also found with respect as well that sometimes we really, you know, if we're defining people by their behavior, if we're saying that, that that person is what they do, that's who they are kind of thing, then that can also be a slippery slope to, you know, behaving in disrespectful ways. What do you think? Yeah, and then the other thing that goes hand in hand with lack of respect is judgment, mm -hmm. judging other people. And I try not to judge other people. I'm human, but I try not to. Because I don't want people to judge me because I'm not the same person I was 20 years ago. I'm not exactly. the same person I was 10 years ago. You know, for me, I really am proud of the fact that I'm ever evolving. Because like I like to say, life is a journey, not a destination. So as I go through my life's journey and learn new things that I incorporate into my life, it makes me a better person. So I always strive to be a better person. So if you judge me on something that I did 20 years ago, you're not really respecting who I am today. Absolutely. It's like putting putting people into a box and then not, you know, not letting them out. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I think it was a couple of shows ago we talked about this whole um idea of of judgment and the fact that quite often when well i would i feel like it's all the time if i'm finding my place uh, myself in a place of judgment about someone else there's something in that for me mm -hmm. there's something that i'm you know holding myself hostage to or that i'm judging myself about um that i haven't embraced within myself and so it's you know if we're if we think of each other as um a reflection a mirror then um you know, really, it always comes back to what's going on inside of us internally. And, and you know, along those lines of being defined by behavior, I, I've finally, I mean, maybe, I don't know, maybe, well, many years ago, had the light bulb moment where it was like, wow, you know, have I behaved in ways that I would not want to be defined by? Mm. And, of course, the answer is yes. <laughs> <laughs> And just because I had the insight many years ago doesn't mean that I haven't since behaved in ways that I wouldn't want to be defined by. But, I mean, when we can give ourselves that space of, of unconditional acceptance, you know, and um, letting ourselves off the hook, basically, then I think it becomes easier to have that kind of view with other people as well. The other thing I want to talk about when it talk, I talk about leadership, we talk about being strong. Now, when you talk about being strong, most people think right away physically, you know, strength and muscles. 
But strength means a lot of things. I think being strong emotionally, and I talked earlier about emotional baggage and releasing that. So being strong emotionally, being strong physically. So I like to eat healthy and exercise. But I also think the third leg of that is spiritual strength. So spiritual strength to me, I have a spiritual practice that really helps me with that. So I do three things every day. As soon as I open my eyes in the morning, I do my gratitude list. What am I grateful for? Having that attitude of gratitude really helps me through the day. And then throughout the day, I pray and I meditate. And what I like to say is prayer is talking to the creator and meditation is listening. So having that spiritual practice helps me stay strong spiritually, and then I work on emotional strength, and then I work on my physical strength. So being strong is so important. If you're going to be a leader and help others, you need to take care of yourself as well. So very true. And I mean, and I and I love. I mean, what you're saying is that it's care on a holistic level because everything's interconnected, anyways. And when you tune in, you know what you're saying about tuning in spiritually first thing and then throughout the day, you know, continuing to connect and and just center or ground. And it doesn't have to be, you know, an hour in a closet somewhere meditating. It can be in the moment. It can be in, in the breath, um, whatever it is to, to tune in, I think really does set the stage then for developing that strength in other areas of our lives, like you said, emotionally and physically. It's so powerful. But Elizabeth, I do have to be honest with your listeners. It took me a long time to get to meditation. It, I struggled with it. For years, I would sit there, and then I'd start doing my list of things to do in my mind. i got to go to the store and buy milk. i got to call this client back. And it took me a long time to get it. Then I did guided CDs. But it wasn't until I took a class with my spiritual leader, Reverend Michael Bernard Beckwith, from Agape International Spiritual Center, I took a class with him, and something so simple changed my whole meditation. What he said is that when you hear noises, like you hear a car going by, instead of thinking, oh, a car's driving by, and giving it energy, don't give it any energy. Just acknowledge that thought and let it float away. And once I started doing that, it took my meditation to a whole new level, And a year and a half ago, I actually had the privilege of spending a week with Deepak Chopra at his center, and we were meditating up to three hours a day, which I never thought I could do that. So I just, my point is, for those of you that are struggling with meditation, don't be so hard on yourself and start off with five minutes and build up until you get to a point where you're comfortable. Totally. And I can, I can, uh, you know, echo that experience when people would talk about meditation as being sort of that blank mind or whatever, I'd think, how, how is that possible? Why does it never blank? But really what, what, um, uh, what you're talking about reminds me of the mindfulness approach, which is really taking that observer's role. Oh, there's the thought. There it goes, you know, because mm. I think there's something so key in just acknowledging what arises, you know, um, whether it's a thought or it's an emotion or it's a physical sensation, like to me that those are those points of self-connection that we go in and out of, you know, all day long, um, but are so important because so often we're running around with 
you know, just disconnected, like on autopilot, not even aware of our own experience. And, um, and I think that's the key, at least for, for me in my life, that's what I've noticed is the key, but I can relate to you. Meditation is a practice. I don't, just like you said, life is a journey, not a destination. Neither is meditation, right? It's something to be engaged in every day. Yeah. And that's why I said, for me, prayer is talking to the creator. Meditation is listening. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And both are required. It's a reciprocal kind of relationship. Mm-hmm. I love that. Let's take another quick break right now, and then we'll come back and uh, pull out a few more highlights and talk about what's happening for you in your life right now, Cynthia. Great. So you're listening to Serving Consciously. I'm Elizabeth Bishop, and we'll be right back with my guest, Cynthia Ruiz. Helping professional looking for inspiration, resources, and community. Visit socialworkhelper.com for relevant articles and learning opportunities. Connect with other difference makers in the world. Socialworkhelper.com. Tired of the same old boring training sessions? You know, those ones you sit in all day and take very little from. Head over to ElizabethBishopConsulting.com to learn more about the conscious service approach and how your organization can benefit from webinars, online programs, and in-person workshops. Renew your sense of connection with yourself and others in real and meaningful ways. Be inspired. Be encouraged. Be energized. Be you and love what you do. back everyone you're listening to serving consciously and i'm your host elizabeth bishop and today we've been talking with cynthia ruiz and i really want to encourage people to um to find cynthia's book where, where can people find your book cynthia well it's easy you can go to amazon.com and this cherokee wisdom 12 lessons for becoming a powerful leader is available in paperback and kindle and this is actually my second book my first book 
is called Finding Sane Relationships in a Crazy World. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Amazon.com is where you can find me. Or I know you gave up my website, but my website is my name, Cynthia, C-Y-N-T-H-I-A. M is my middle initial, R-U-I-Z.com. You can click it from there, but Amazon's the easiest way to, to go. Perfect. That's perfect. Because um, there's so much uh, valuable wisdom in your in your writing and, uh, you know, way more than what we can cover in our interview today. Um, but at least we've been able to touch on a few of the key principles that you cover in more depth in your book. Would you, I mean, I think you, you chose probably the ones that you find really powerful when you talked about integrity, respect, and being strong. Is there anything more that you'd like to add to what we've already discussed about those 12 principles? Yes, leader. Lead by example. When you're a leader, and I talked about how we're all leaders in our lives, when you're a leader, you're leading by example, irregardless if you realize it or not. And I had an experience where I was, you know, after work, I went to go buy some food. I went to go buy a salad. There was a gentleman in front of me in line, and he looked like he may have been homeless. He looked a little disheveled. So he was trying to pay for his meal, and he came up a little bit short. So I just jumped right in, didn't even think anything, took a few dollars out of my purse and gave him some money. What I did not realize is that there was a a mom and a young girl. She looked about seven or eight. She was watching what I did. She was behind me. I didn't even notice her. She asked her mom for a dollar because she saw what I did. And she went and gave the man a dollar and said, here, I hope you can eat tonight. And then we kind of all looked at each other because, like I said, up until that point, I wasn't even aware they were behind me. And we all looked at each other. We all smiled. And the man was just so happy. And I realized, wow. I didn't even realize that she was watching me, but the young people are watching. So it's so important to lead by example and be that example of a strong person with integrity that you want the next generation to carry out. In Cherokee wisdom, we believe that when you make decisions, you should take into consideration seven generations before you and seven generations in the future. So anything you do, look at it holistically, and how is this going to impact the future, and how has the past impacted you? So lead by example. I love that, and I I really feel that that is one of the most powerful expressions of leadership, is to really walk the walk. Mm. And I love those questions. I, I like to call them, powerful guiding questions that we can ask ourselves, you know, like how, how was I influenced? Like you were saying by past generations and how am I, you know, um, being an example for future generations, you know, what do I wish to contribute? How do I want to show up? I think that's so powerful and just, again, providing an opportunity to center ourselves and to step fully into an, into our integrity. If we've happened to step out, you know, And then the last um, lesson that I wanted to share is be humble. Mm -hmm. You know, humility and confidence are not mutually exclusive. You can be a confident leader, but be humble at the same time. As I mentioned earlier, I've had some pretty powerful positions and still hold powerful 
powerful positions, that doesn't make me better than anybody else. That just means I have a title that has a lot of responsibility. So I always strive to be humble and responsible, but not think that I'm better than anybody else because I'm not. Absolutely. I think that's so true. And it can be a very fine line to sort of walk that balance between confidence and humility um, as we're, you know, maybe as we're developing certain skills or getting comfortable with our own natural capacities or whatever it might be. Um, but I think that's a really powerful lesson to think about. And, you know, when you're talking about, you know, leading by example and, and thinking about, you know, future generations or thinking about young people, it's, it's true even with the other adults around us within organizations. You know, if we want a certain energy within our organizational culture, um, we can't just tell people, other people, to show up that way while we do, <laughs> you know, the opposite. It's going to be much more powerful to just walk the walk. And, um, and people tend to naturally gravitate towards that over time, you know? And it's been an interesting dynamic in the workplace because now that we have more and more women entering the workplace, more and more women becoming leaders, women lead differently than men. Women tend to lead from social power and men lead from personal power. Again, there's no judgment that one's better than the other, but it's just a different dynamic. And women tend to bring more compassion. They bring in the thought of what's the greater good for the entire group. So even our workplace is changing as we have more and more women become leaders. So it's actually an exciting time, in my opinion. I totally agree. Cynthia, why don't you take a couple of minutes to let us know what's happening right now? What are you curious about? What are you inspired by right now? What are you, what's your focus? My focus is being a beneficial presence on this planet. And I'm really grateful that I have so many different platforms to, to share that from being a professor to do. I've been doing a lot of radio. So thank you for this opportunity. I do a lot of workshops. I was the keynote speaker at a women's event for Women's History Month with 700 women. And so I just have, I'm so, I feel so blessed. I also, a couple of weeks ago, went to speak at the Center for Spiritual Living in Dallas. So the creator's really giving me a larger platform to share this knowledge and experience with the world. And I just feel so honored. So I am, I'm loving life right now. I'm excited. And, then um, I have a son, as I mentioned, so it was his birthday, so I'm taking him and his wife to Hawaii, so we leave this weekend to go to Hawaii, and I love Hawaii because it has such a powerful energy, so I'm going to go meditate on the beach in Hawaii and start thinking about my next book. That sounds amazing. <laughs> that sounds wonderful, and I think what you're you're sharing, too, with the listeners is just that kind of, you know, when you're tuning in and you're connecting, and you're asking the questions, and you're listening for the guidance, the world starts to open up, doesn't it? Mm, absolutely. And you can so clearly hear the joy in your voice, you know, as you're speaking about what's happening in your life right now, both professionally and personally. I love that, because I, I don't think that we're two separate beings. I mean, we might have different roles in different aspects of our lives, but we're one person who's showing up in different different places with different responsibilities, like you'd mentioned before. And it feels like just such a nice integration in what you're sharing today. 
but I want your listeners to know that life is about having fun. I mean, <laughs> we're supposed to live life and have a good time. So find your passion, find out what brings you joy, and then start to get rid of all that baggage and junk that no longer works for you. I believe our lives are like a circle and only so much fits into that circle. So if you want to bring new things into your life, you got to get clean out some of that junk. This is spring, so it's a perfect time to not only do your spring cleaning of your house and your closet and your garage, but do your emotional spring cleaning, get rid of no what no longer works for you, and bring in happiness, joy, love, positivity, and gratitude. Beautiful. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I really feel that what matters to us, what brings us joy, is what actually gives quality to the service that we provide. I love that. Cynthia, would you please share with us the prayer that you use? I would be glad to. So I mentioned earlier I had taken a, a class at Agape International Spiritual Center. I also took a prayer class. And our final exam was to write a prayer. And at first, my fear came up. It's like, who am I to write a prayer? I can't write a prayer. But then I stepped back and said, you know what? Prayer is talking to God, so let me talk to the Creator. So this is what I came up with. I call it Cynthia's Prayer, and it's at the end of the book. So here's Cynthia's Prayer. Great Spirit, Creator, who I call God, I humbly stand before you to praise you, for you are I, and I am you. I welcome you into my heart body, and soul, great spirit, God, creator of all. Grant me the wisdom to follow my inner voice, the strength to stay grounded while I sing my sacred song. Guide me down my chosen path with the courage to pursue what is available to me, great spirit, God, creator of all. Allow me to receive the infinite possibilities of the universe. I'm appreciative for my lessons, yet grateful for the struggles. I am comforted by the wonderful people you have placed in my life. Great Spirit, God, creator of all. I honor Mother Earth for the gifts she provides. The fertile soil provides our daily food, and the gift of water is the essence of life. Open my heart to the healing of nature. We are all related, and through this I find serenity. Great Spirit, God, creator of all, may I never stop being a beneficial presence on this planet. Work through me to carry the message of peace in unconditional love. I am complete having you in my life, great spirit, God, creator of all. Amen. Aho. And so it is. Amen. Thank you so much, Cynthia. I want to remind listeners that I will be posting all of Cynthia's contact information on my website, just go to servingconsciously.com and on the tab that says serving consciously and you'll find everything there. 
shortly, um, including where you can find Cynthia's book. Cynthia, thank you so very much for being here with us today. I thoroughly enjoyed talking with you and learning from you. And I know that our listeners will appreciate your words of wisdom as well. Elizabeth, the pleasure has been all mine and keep up the great work. You too. Can't wait to read your next book. <laughs> and thank you to all of the listeners for being here, sharing your energy and presence. I appreciate that so very much. You've been listening to Serving Consciously. I'm your host, Elizabeth Bishop. We've been talking with Cynthia Ruiz, and we will see you in a few weeks. Thank you again. You've been listening to Serving Consciously with your host, Elizabeth Bishop. Consciously create your approach to work. Visit www.elizabethbishopconsulting.com. Join us on every second and fourth Friday at noon to continue rediscovering your passion. Springtime tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine and More. Every bunny loves honey glazed carrots. A great side dish for your springtime celebration and a delicious compliment to a sweet, bright Moscato. Wine is made in virtually every country in the world, and I'm ready to give you a tour to find the right one. Serving lamb this season? Try it with a bold Cabernet from the trendy Paso Robles region. Whether you're hosting or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection this spring at Total Wine and More. Cheers! Springtime tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. Garnishing your ham with pineapple? Pair it with a delicious Chardonnay to make their taste buds swirl. Deviled eggs are even better when paired with a light, dry wine like a bubbly Prosecco or a Pinot Grigio. For me, nothing beats recommending a great wine. And with such an extensive selection, I can help you find the perfect one in your budget. Whether you're hosting or just bringing the wine, we love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection this spring at Total Wine & More. Cheers!